Trends and Tensions, presented by BHDP, where we discuss trends in architectural and interior design and the competing priorities or tensions that arise from integrating new ideas into existing organizations, enterprises, and institutions. This episode, The Influence of Corporate Real Estate on Company, Culture, and Community, we are joined by Kieran Sherry, Senior Vice President for Corporate Real Estate for Nationwide Insurance. Thomas Neltner, Director and Senior Vice President of Enterprise Workplace Services and Corporate Security with Fifth Third Bank, and Patrick Donnelly, Client Leader and Partner at VHDP. They share the convergence of the insurance and banking industries, as well as the new spotlight corporate real estate has found itself in as a result of the pandemic. I am your host, Brian Trainer, a workplace strategist for VHDP, and I'll let our guests introduce themselves further. Kieran, tell us who you are and what you do, sir. Good morning, Kieran Sherry, Senior Vice President for Corporate Real Estate for Nationwide Insurance out of Columbus, Ohio. I have responsibilities for all of the associate occupied real estate in the nationwide enterprise in the U.S. and manage a portfolio of about 6 million square feet across multiple geographies with a staff of a little over 300 folks. That's fantastic. Thank you, Kieran. Welcome. Thomas, would you tell us who you are and what you do, sir? Yeah, good morning, Thomas Neltner. I have director and SVP of what we call Enterprise Workplace Services and Corporate Security. And that is like Kieran leads all the real estate and occupancy type activities at the bank, along with corporate security. Thank you for that, Thomas. And last but certainly not least, Mr. Donnelly, introduce yourself. Patrick Donnelly, Principal and Workplace Strategist with BHDP. I'm actually the founder of a strategic consulting business at BHDP, but I have the good fortune to have done major projects with both Kieran Sherry and Thomas Neltner, both strategic projects, architecture and interior projects. And I'm excited to hear what they have to say and what they're doing today, because even though they're in different but related industries, because of their roles, I find it fascinating the way they lead, the teams they have, and what they try to do to provide value to their organizations. Yeah, thanks for that. And it's one of the things we wanted to talk about because we have nationwide insurance and Fifth Third Bank. And on the surface, those sound like very different industries, but you guys have similar roles. And that's what we want to talk about. You know, where do finance and insurance converge? Kieran, did you want to take that first? Sure. I mean, I think there's a couple obvious things. One is our responsibilities, respectively, are around the workplace. And a lot of our workplaces probably look very similar, right? They are housing associates who are providing services and support to financial and insurance customers. Nationwide has a strong financial business as part of our suite of services. And I think it's probably fair to say that our businesses revolve around information and data accounts information around the financial holdings or the insurance holdings of individuals. So we're in the information business. I would suggest that Thomas and I both feel like we're in the business of managing space and managing the associate experience would be sort of the primary place where I think we converge. Yeah, Thomas, did you want to add on to that? I just echo what Karen said. I think it's very similar to other companies who are trying to provide a great workplace for people. You know, we were talking several months before, Karen and I, about the similarities of some of the approaches that we're taking, which we can address today. Well, sure. That's what we're here for. You say you're in the information business. Are you talking specific to the real estate strategy, or is that just in the core of the business itself? Like, what information are you paying attention to? I'd say it's both, but when I made the comment, this is Kieran, I was referring primarily to, let's call it the currency of what we do. 
You know, Nationwide doesn't produce a product. We produce a promise. And that promise is backed up by data and information. You know, many companies produce a physical product that's tangible and gets shipped and gets loaded at a loading dock. We don't. We produce contracts or we produce a promise or a commitment that is generally financial in nature and is backed up by data and information by both parties. It's sort of the currency of our business. I would say, and I know Thomas and I have had this conversation, that we do rely a lot on data and information in our businesses, in our responsibilities. And frankly, I would say increasingly so as the world is changing rapidly, we need better information in order to provide the right workplace experience for the associates that we're trying to serve. You have the capability of having an overwhelming amount of information. Where do you point your focus and how does that help you make decisions? In this day and age, everything has sensors, everything has data outputs, and you can get totally overwhelmed with data. I think about the advent of what people call prop tech. And everywhere you turn, there's people wanting to offer you data feeds and downloads of information in real time. And, you know, you really have to step back and understand what pieces and parts of information are you actually going to use and what information is going to inform the decisions that you need to make. A lot of people want to offer you real-time utilization data. If I know in a building I have 20% vacancy, real-time utilization data is meaningless to me. I've got to deal with a 20% vacancy first, then we can narrow down. It's really understanding what data elements are going to be of help to enable you to make the right real estate decisions that you need to make and not be overwhelmed just because the data is available doesn't mean it's necessarily useful. Yeah, Kieran, that's interesting. Real-time data sounds really important until you realize you can't shift real estate in real time, right? <laughs> I know this wasn't the direction we were going to go, but I didn't know if, Thomas, you wanted to add anything to that. I agree with Kieran. you got a lot of occupancy-type companies out there that want to sell you sort of software to tell where people are going. But sometimes there's no better than just watching, listening, and asking and getting that information. So. Yeah, Thomas, those are some refined sensors, the eyes and ears. Look, ask, and listen, right? Right. Yeah, Patrick, did you want to add on to that at all? You know, we're talking to Kieran, who has a background in engineering. We're talking to, to Thomas, who has a background in HR. They're coming at this from two very different angles. And here we hear hard data, sensors, measuring activity, looking at how we're utilizing our real estate. And then there's soft data, observation, people's experience. How do we translate that into something that's applicable, we can apply, and we can generate concepts and ideas that we're applying today to create the future. But I think one of the fascinating things about the two of you, both Kieran and Thomas have given me the challenge <laughs> as you know, a trusted advisor, a strategic consultant, a design firm to take the organization into the future. And I know that you all are dealing a lot with the present circumstances as we begin to come out, as people get vaccinated and come out of COVID. I wonder when you look at the future and your roles, you're both bringing value beyond real estate. It's been recognized that you can lead an organization and you're bringing value to the organization. What does the future hold for you and, and your teams bringing value near term and, and long term, if that's a fair question? Yeah, it is a fair question, Patrick. This is Kieran. I think a lot of change. COVID has been a unique experience for those of us that have building responsibilities and workplace responsibilities. But I think what I would offer is there's been a fundamental shift in the collective thinking. What One of the things that COVID has done, it has become the death of the naysayer. 
I would argue that workplace and the way that people want to work has been on a journey to becoming more flexible, more at the discretion, more at the choice of the associate. And we were in this period of tension pre-COVID where corporations were still putting rules and regulations and schedules and time boundaries and, and seating assignments together for associates so that they would operate the way that the corporation wanted them to operate. And you had more progressive organizations out there exploring different ways to allow more associate flexibility. And those means and methods, those ways have to work for your culture. They have to work for your business. They have to work for your associates. They have to work for your customers. I think I would offer that COVID has essentially shifted the paradigm to where everybody now recognizes that associate flexibility is the wave of the future. And so for people like Thomas and I, we have to now think about and adapt our workplaces, which at least in our case had historically been more traditional, to this new paradigm where there is this widespread adoption and embracing of associate flexibility. The associate can choose where and when and how they want to work, which by definition means they won't be in the office all the time, which by definition means the office has to become a place that is attractive to bring them in. We have to have good, solid reasons why someone would want to come to the office because we're no longer forcing them to come to the office. I think before COVID, it was sort of a trial and error. Certain people got to work at home, certain people got flexibility because we had some preconceived notions about how things were supposed to be. Uh, I've talked to people here at the bank who thought, you know, they were five day a weekers. They were here every week. And then when they got challenged to be at home, they're coming around to think, well, maybe I didn't have to be there. Nobody told them they had to be there five days a week. They just thought they had to be there five days a week. So I think it's really tested that thinking about, hey, work gets done. Maybe work gets done all the time. Maybe work gets done three hours in the office, three hours at home, and three hours on the public transportation. Maybe that's your nine hours a day or eight hours a day. So it's not this traditional come in the office, get my work done, and go home. It's really changed. The other thing that I'm seeing, I'm seeing more that just had a conversation yesterday. The companies that aren't flexible will lose talent. We will lose talent. We as a bank will lose talent if we're not flexible. That doesn't mean it's all you know, everybody works from home. It just means traditional roles, we've got to think about how we look at those differently. There is still a place for workplace. The pendulum swung very hard to the sort of one side with COVID, but there is a place for the workplace, for the social aspect of it, and for people to get together and meet and talk and innovate. It's very hard to do that over Zoom. So I think there is a place, but it's maybe not all the time. Yeah, just picking up on your talent conversation, Thomas, I've noticed even here, recently at Nationwide, I've seen an increased willingness to hire the right person, regardless of where their geography is, and to not mandate that they move to our Columbus headquarters, right? right? But we want to hire the right talent where the right talent is, because we recognize they can travel, they can work remote, they can work from home, et cetera. So that talent equation is a really important one. The other piece around the workplace that we talk a lot about here, because it's, it's just who we are, it's important to us, is our culture. We believe, and senior leadership has a saying here, that space matters. And I think a big part of why space matters is because it gives us an opportunity, essentially, to inculcate our people with our culture, which is very special. It's a big part of who we are. And the workplace, the, the physical environments that we create, are supporting that opportunity. So it is important for our folks to experience our workplace because it's part of them getting a sense of who we are from a culture perspective. 
I want to follow up on both your responses because I think you both are extraordinarily focused on experience in the physical environment. Karen, you mentioned headquarters. Nationwide is headquartered in Columbus. You've invested in a common area master plan that focused on amenities and creating magnets for people before COVID. You invested in the hub, which radically changed the way you used campus. Thomas, you've invested and will be opening Project Connect. You have the forum, which is this radically flexible environment where you're driving towards both of you, creating an experience that's gonna attract people to the workplace. I wondered if you could comment a little bit about that. You were both working on this before COVID. I'm wondering if you're operationalizing your ideas differently, or if in fact you're investing and reinvesting in creating these things we call magnets that draw people back in so they can experience that social aspect of work and the culture in place at your physical campuses. Yeah, this is Kieran. I think Patrick, for us, the journey has been ongoing. I mean, campus, you well know, started many years ago. A lot of what we've tried to do has been in acknowledgement of the reality that work is a collaborative experience. And water cooler conversations are really important. And people need to be able to connect and collaborate and work together. Cross business units, cross pollination is really important. Mm -hmm. And the traditional one cube for one individual workstation type environment doesn't necessarily lend itself to that. You mentioned the hub. We have a, a sort of a unique campus here in downtown Columbus. We had two towers that were actually connected by a very cold and dark breezeway, which in turn was connected to our main parking facility to support the associate population. So we had in reality, the primary entrance for associates and visitors alike was just a horrible experience. And so we decided that we wanted to create this new entry sequence for associates and for our visitors and our guests. And so we created what we affectionately call the hub. It's a two-story lobby space between the two buildings that unites them, brings them together, and creates a totally different entry experience. And we put a coffee shop in there and some conference rooms and a lot of soft seating areas. And it has become literally the de facto center of the campus. And you know, back to our data comment earlier, like why did we start with the hub? How did we come up with that vision? Well, candidly, we looked at badge data. We looked at the actual experiences of associates and guests and visitors and looked at their ambulatory paths. Where were they going? How are they getting in and how are they getting out? And the data spoke volumes to say, this is the fulcrum. This is the heart. This is the hub of the campus, but it wasn't built like one. And so we took on a pretty extensive project to make it one. It's an example of recognizing people's need to come together in order to support getting the work done and providing more collaborative and creative type environments to encourage those kinds of interactions across the campus. So Kieran, this is Thomas, very similar to you, went through a journey of several years ago, sort of uniting our campus downtown in Cincinnati on Fountain Square. One of the frustrating things for us, and Patrick knows this living in Cincinnati, is we didn't have a so-called corporate entrance. We didn't have a place. We had multiple entrances into our facilities and didn't really have a place that you would say, hey, meet me at the third. So we've created this connection between our tall tower on our campus and our low tower, we call. And that connection was called Project Connect. And that connected the two buildings, but also created an atrium that's just spectacular. And it really gives the organization an identity and a place to go. Employees, customers, 
come in into our sort of our home. We call it coming into our home. We wanted a place that was legible, that people could find. We wanted a place that could unify the campus. And then we wanted to have a place that we could feel like an outreach to the community. And BHDP helped us design and helped us work through that. More important than the design, really helped us create that experience that we want to create for our organization, for our customers and our employees. And Thomas, I've also found that both of you, before we go off of where you are in your central headquartered locations, both of you are leading inside these very large corporations, which are major employers in your home cities. Do you think about that? I, as a designer and urban planner, I'm concerned about the vibrancy of cities as work changes and work patterns change. Do you think about that? The vibrancy of uh, yeah, your let me city, that is that important to you? I'll talk real quick. I had this discussion a few weeks ago with someone about, I call them the five C's of what we're talking about with COVID. The first one was what you're addressing and Kieran talked about was culture. You know, what impact the culture has on how we work I think of a person coming in their organization who maybe is starting their career. How do they get to learn things? Think about how you learn. You learn so much from observation. Now, your question around community, you know, it's important. These downtowns need people. They built around people to survive. There are small businesses that we deal with from a banking perspective that need employees to thrive and need people to gather. And so I think community, that tax base is very important. That's one of the other C's is community. I also think of choice. That's the third C, which is do people have a choice where they can work? Either it's at home, we talked about that before. The other thing I do think that we think about as an organization, the fourth C is control. I think companies feel like, I can speak for just experience and talking to other organizations, they feel like a sense of loss of control when you have so much flexibility. Because you're used to controlling the environment of people coming in eight to five, seeing them there. There's a little sense of all of us that you lose a little bit of control when you lighten up and the reins and let people work a little differently. And it's a different type of style of management. And then the last C that we talk about is comfort health and safety of our employees. That's very important. I think, Kieran, and you would agree, we never had conversations in our world about health of our employees around sanitation and janitorial. I mean, that was way down the bottom of the list that anybody would think of. Now it's pulled up to the front where it's really important to create not only safe environment, but a healthy environment. And I think we've talked about around the edges on that companies, but it's more important today that people feel that. I really like how Thomas put that together. I think, you know, you're absolutely right about health. I was thinking about the collective COVID experience. And one of the interesting outcomes of that is we have changed our definition of what we consider to be mission critical. To your point, Thomas, nobody paid attention to the cleaning staff that came in at five o'clock at night because they never saw them. Well, now those folks are not only coming in at five o'clock, but they're in all day and they are de facto mission critical. And I couldn't agree with you more that sort of an overarching paradigm that we're all working with is the health and wellness of our folks. Regardless of where on the campus they may be or where they're working, there is a strong focus on making sure that we're doing everything we can to keep our associates well and to keep them healthy in the workplaces that we provide. As it relates to city and communities and so forth, Patrick, I'd offer a couple of thoughts. As you well know, we have a third-party development company that we wholly own, and we've done a lot of work in terms of downtown development, certainly in Columbus and in other geographies where we've made significant reinvestments into areas of town that needed help. And we've doubled down on those areas and created great walking communities for people to enjoy and for our associates to live and work in. 
And indeed, several years ago, as you know, we developed a, a newer campus close to downtown Grandview Yards, which really energized an area of town and has seen a lot of roll-on implications of housing and restaurants and retail and other uh, developments coming in behind us. And we do a lot to encourage good community involvement, getting our associates out into the nonprofit community, volunteering, helping out, and becoming vital citizens in the communities that we live and work in. It's something that we take very serious and we tend to get very involved in the communities where we live and work. It's an important aspect, I think, of a corporation and great corporations like Fifth Third and others do always get involved in a, in a constructive way in the communities that we live and work in. I went there, Brian, because we talk about having a great experience at work and at the workplace. Well, you come into a city and part of that experience is for it to be vibrant and that you're both thinking about that. Thomas, I know you've worked very closely with the city of Cincinnati and with the mayor and with others, organizations that are about the development, the welfare, uh, the vibrancy of the city, because your campus is on Fountain Square, Great Urban Room, right in the center of town. So you have this twofold responsibility, one to the bank, one to the community, and yours as well, Kieran. You opened that up to the bigger conversation, you know, which is, about Tom's just came back from Chicago. Kieran, you talked about investing in other communities. Both your organizations go well beyond your home cities. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about now as a real estate professional, how you're looking at those investments, both in the community, but also in your own portfolio as this new paradigm takes shape. In the go forward futures, we're gonna have a lot more associate flexibility. And at the end of the day, when you start to thinking about data, that's going to end up with less occupancy in less workstations in some of the major installations that we have. Nationwide has already made significant change in the portfolio and in light of COVID and the changes and, and our overarching direction to get to a mixed model where we have a blend of work from office, hybrid and work from home resources. And we announced last year the disposition of over a million square feet in various geographies. And part of the impetus for that was really doubling down on those markets that we consider to be sort of strategic go-forward campuses for us. Over the last probably seven, eight years, we have really focused on aggregating our populations into better campuses so that those water cooler conversations can happen, the training can happen, the orientation can happen, the mentoring can happen. And we have a strong belief that we are better when we aggregate populations into campus environments where a cross-function of the business functions are in one place. And over the last number of years, we've been actively moving towards that kind of a model in those cities that we consider to be primarily strategic for us. For us, that happens to be Columbus, Des Moines, San Antonio, and Scottsdale. And if you look over our history, we have made significant investments in all of those cities in order to take disparate populations from around various parts of the cities, bring them together, give them a more cohesive, a more nationwide-like work environment to foster our culture and to build that into the future. More of the secondary tertiary locations that are subject to potentially more associates in a work-from-home environment, because we only might have had one business unit in that particular location, and we didn't have the opportunity to get cross-functional teams together. So we're more likely to take those associates and allow them to be in a work-from-home posture in a new model. And then on top of that, we have been working now probably three, three and a half years on sort of our new model. We call it Workplace of the Future. And it's ironic because it predated COVID. And it really was our response to how do we build workplaces that 
respect and acknowledge that associate desire for flexibility. And as you well know, Patrick, you know, we built out a space actually for my team as a pilot a couple of years ago to test our design theories. And it's been hugely successful. And now as we're reinvesting in our spaces, we are now using this model as kind of the preferred model for reimagining workplaces as we go back and renovate sort of floor by floor basis on these campuses. So we have several projects in the hopper right now where we're working with business units to help them reimagine what their space might be in a world where their associates have more flexibility. Kieran, that's interesting. So you had something you were experimenting with prior, but now maybe there's a little more receptiveness to that new way of working. And Karen, just like Fifth Third, this is Thomas, just like Fifth Third, just like Nationwide, which you just talked about, we were ahead of this before and Patrick's firm was helping us get there. You know, some things in life just kind of work the way they should. And we felt like we were ahead of the game in this. We reduced our portfolio by 38% on the admin side. So we did a lot of this prior. COVID's kind of the tidal wave that got people to change their paradigm to your point before and COVID is allowed to that to happen where people understand flexibility and need flexibility. In fact, they came to me, the organization, and some of the executives came to me recently within the last several months and said, what do we need to do to have a more flexible environment? I said, we already have it. There's a lot of conversations Patrick and I have had about, do we need to change our design? And quite frankly, we don't. We had the right design prior to COVID. We've got the right design now. You know what we really focused on? I could not get this out of my head, is this concept of a mobile worker. We want to make our workforce mobile as much as we can. Even in the banking centers, the people now we're putting tablets out there and we're getting people mobile within our new next gen branch. The mobility is very important for us. And if you think on the admin side, the mobility of a person either working from home, working at a coffee shop, maybe in their experience is very similar. And so it's been a tidal wave. One of the things you touched on, Karen, and that I wanted to touch on here, our design, our director of design, Valerie Garrett, always talks about this serendipity type of engagement. I'd run in you at the coffee shop and I'd talk to you about something. I'd get work done along there. And I have four or five conversations with people along the way. One of my executives said, when we created this open environment, he said, I can see every one of my associates almost every single day. And we're prior to with closed doors and coffices and large floor plans. You may go a week without seeing, you know, Kieran and down the end of the hall working. And now it's all open. People can see each other. They run at each other at the coffee. They run at each other, going to the restroom, whatever it may be. And they're able to have those things done and talk. And that's where I think the culture, that flexibility comes in. But we've done a lot of this beforehand. Sometimes you feel like you were fighting an uphill battle, but now you feel like you're justified in everything you were doing prior to COVID. You had some skeptics out there. Now you're like, okay, now we got some believers. Some of the things that you both have talked about, you know, you talk about the associate flexibility. I remember we did some research a few years ago about intrinsic and extrinsic motivation for people in different demographics. And one thing that overlapped all age groups was that sense of autonomy, that I have some control to Thomas's five C's, but over when I do what I do and what I'm motivated by. Um, but you're also talking about creating like um, cultural destinations within cities and making sure that people are immersed in that culture. And that made me think of kind of like the Disney experience. And to be more specific, Star Wars. I'm the right age to have grown up with Star Wars. I mm -hmm. understand the universe, but I've never been immersed in it. 
And if I want to be immersed in it, now I have to go to either California or Florida to go to those theme parks and be immersed in that environment. But it's something that I would get excited about and look forward to. You're talking about places that maybe once people go there, they get even more excited about the thing that they're involved in. Is that a, a fair comparison or am I oversimplifying a much deeper purpose here just so I can talk about Star Wars? <laughs> Well, it was good that you weave Star Wars into the conversation, Brian, but I will say I do think there is a reality that the workplace needs to be somewhere attractive. It needs to have a draw for associates, and the draw has to be of value to them so that they are motivated to come in. And and in a large part, that is because of the fact that the workplace supports what they're trying to do, but it encourages innovation, collaboration, meeting, serendipitous conversations, availability of amenities, opportunities to bump into people they wouldn't otherwise bump into, and opportunities to connect in a real way, not just to people, but to the enterprise and to the work. That's part of our collective challenge moving forward is we're moving from a paradigm of you have to be here to now we want you to want to be here. So how do we create spaces that associates want to be in? We talked about janitorial being on the front page of the newspaper. We also talk about real estate. You know, real estate wasn't always on the front of the newspaper. I tell my people we've been brought on stage to perform now, the light shining on us. I think we're much more proactive in actually moving the company forward. I feel proud of what we've done to move the company forward in a way that impacts the bottom line. I was thinking about the things you brought up, the custodial staff, the stewards of the building. When their jobs are done properly, you don't notice them. Now, all of a sudden, all of them are brought to the, the forefront and we're paying attention. It's like, you know, when you do something right, no one will be sure you've done anything at all. You know, it's like, do you want to go back to invisible? This is your moment in the light. But anyway, Patrick, so we only have a few minutes left. What is on your mind, good sir? Going to the future of design of work and place and real estate strategy and going to the future with Nationwide and with Fifth Third, I, I feel like I had a head start. Coming in, you know, Karen had worked for a long time to have great relationship with IT. I have good fortune of being in the audience for a Cornet presentation that Karen made. And I, I was working with the company, but I didn't realize how synchronous that relationship was. Thomas, your background in HR, working in HR, at BHDP, we designed for people. I felt like working with you, I had a head start because it was about more than just physical design. It was about organizational architecture. It was about understanding behavior and creating experience because you were thinking about people, not just their productivity, but how do we make sure we've got the right talent? And then how do we make sure we keep it by giving them a great place to go and work and enjoy learning from one another and producing collaboratively. So I would just say that's a head start. I think that a lot of folks that I'm working with now, both internal to our organization with our clients are looking for those kinds of relationships and adding to that business leaders working in a collaborative way with the organization. I feel like the value we had now being designers and real estate people is much higher than it's ever been because of those relationships. So I would just underscore that as in terms of what I heard today, but also what I'm experiencing with uh, both these gentlemen. Sure. Thanks for that, Patrick. 
I'd like to thank you both for joining. I know we're at the end of our time and I want to respect your day. So Kieran, Thomas, Patrick, thank you. Hopefully this was fun for you. A pleasure to be here. Thank you. A pleasure to be here. Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you, Patrick. Kieran, great to see you. Likewise, Thomas. We'll talk later. Thank you for joining Trends and Tensions, presented by BHDP for this episode, The Influence of Corporate Real Estate on Company, Culture, and Community, with Kieran Sherry, Senior Vice President for Corporate Real Estate for Nationwide Insurance, Thomas Neltner, Director and Senior Vice President of Enterprise Workplace Services and Corporate Security with Fifth Third Bank, and Patrick Donnelly, Client Leader and Partner at BHDP. If you appreciate what you've heard, please rate, subscribe, and give us a review. I'm your host, Brian Trainer, and I hope you'll join us for another episode of Trends and Tensions to see what topics drive design.